Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Positivity Podcast. In today's episode, I'm with Dr. Regan Anderson. He is a board-certified dermatologist, surgeon, health president for AOCD, publisher, and co-founder for the Doctors Quarterly. He was also a first reconnaissance battalion surgeon for two years in Semper Fi with the US Marine Corps. He has a master's degree in theological studies and much, much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. In today's podcast, we talk about the current situation with the coronavirus, health, mindset, well-being, and how to unlock your true potential in looking after yourself as a human being. So enjoy. Tuning in, trying to find out how to win. Go along and tell a friend. Marathon, you know the game. Keep on running, never end. Getting better, make a man. Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it. Possibility. Right, Regan. Hello. Hi there, can you hear me? Hello. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? How about now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Yeah. Good. 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 How's the audio quality? Yeah, it's okay. Um, I can hear you fine. Good. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Oh, great. Let me move the microphone a little bit closer here. Is that better? Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Perfect. I just want to say, um, you know, massive thank you for coming on the podcast. Really, really means a lot. Oh, thank you for the invitation. I'm honored. Uh, this is your baby. So I'm, I'm honored when people invite me into their world. So thank you. No, you're welcome. I just, um, you, you, you're quite, you've got quite an impressive, impressive, um, what can I say, um, profile. Like you've um, board certified dermatologist surgeon, uh, health president, the AOCD, 
um, publisher and he was a war medic with the first reconnaissance battalion surgeon for a couple of years in Iraq. I can't pronounce this. Fallujah, Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Oh, Semper Fi, yeah. Um, master's degree in theo- theology. Theology. I can't even say it. Theology. Theology. <laughs> you got Theological it. Science. Um, yeah, pretty amazing. Thank you. It's what, it's been a it's been a great journey so far. Kind of what what kind of got you into this? Kind of like what kind of sparked getting into this uh, profession for you? Like what? You know, I honestly, when I was in seminary, I thought I had a calling to help people to to heal them, and so I applied to medical school and I got in. Now, to full transparency, I did lose my faith in Iraq. So. You know, they say there's no atheists in foxholes. Uh, that's where I lost my faith. And I've been slowly rebuilding that uh, relationship over the last uh, 13, 14 years. So, yeah, I, I, I felt a calling to do this. This this has felt mm. like what I was made to be. Mm. No, it's, it's amazing field to be in, you know, to, to make a difference in people's lives and, and help them. Yeah, you know, I think we asked you know, if you can help someone, it makes your life better, doesn't it? hundred percent. You know, it used to bother me when I would volunteer or go on a missions trip, whether that was with the church or with the military or, or just a, a, a regular old organization. I always found that I, I gained more than I, than I gave. And it bothered me mm-hmm. for a long time because I wanted to give more than I got. But, you know, it's one of the beautiful truths in life and in the world is that, you, you always get more than you give, and and that's a beautiful truth. Mm, mm. And it's like striving to be a better person than you were yesterday, isn't it? And kind of setting those standards for yourself. It is. You know, I, I'm always curious when, especially politicians, get attacked by changing their mind on something. You know, they thought something 20 or 30 years ago, and they've changed their mind, and they get attacked for that. And I've always been curious with that because if I'm the same person today that I was 10 years ago, uh, Adam, I think I kind of have squandered the last 10 years and we should always be growing. We should always be improving. We should always be, you know, processing new information, new realities and, and changing our minds. Now, hopefully we're not talking about the extremes where, you know, you were an absolutely horrible mass murderer or something like that. And you've changed to not murdering people anymore. I'm not talking about the extremes of the pendulum here. I'm I'm talking about as we grow, as we learn more, that we become more. And if we aren't doing that, something is really, really wrong. I mean, I hope the whole world learns from this COVID crisis so that Mm. when the next pandemic comes and as certain as the sun will rise tomorrow, we will get another pandemic. It might be in a year. It might be in a hundred years, but another one will come. That's, that's the nature um, of, of the biology of, of the reality that we live in. And mm. so I'm hoping that we all learn from this. We, I think the entire planet was caught unawares and I think we're mm. dealing with that now the best way we can. But if mm. we don't learn from this, you know, shame on us. And I, I think that uh, we should be learning constantly everything. Look at everything as an opportunity. And um, that's one of the things when, when this, when anything quote unquote undesirable or bad happens to me, I've learned to say, okay, this is awesome. How am I going to learn? How am I going to contribute? How am I going to become? And when you shift your mindset 
to that instead of being a victim or being upset or, you know, whatever woes me or why does this always happen to me? You know, I'm not sure any of those mindsets get us anywhere, but definitely the mindset of, okay, what am I going to learn? How am I going to become? How am I going to contribute? It just makes everything a challenge. It makes everything utilizing all of your potential to help. And, and at the end of the day, you sleep better because you've done better. Mm. Mm. No, I completely agree with what you just said. And I think, um, you know, with, with what's happening now in the world is a massive, massive wake up call. I think, you know, for, you know, businesses, the business world, I think, you know, you know, the whole society really kind of, you know, makes you think about, you know, our actions and what we've been doing, you know, up to now, um, you know, the effects on the planet, um, the environment. And I think, you know, a lot of people, I've heard people say that where the government and the military, you know, they've had all their worries in thinking that, you know, the next big thing that's going to happen is, you know, another country attacking, you know, the country. Whereas, you know, a lot more focus needs to be put into, you know, this kind of stuff with viruses and germs and pandemics like us. Oh, a hundred percent. So let me ask you a personal question if I can. So we, yeah, we know that, I don't know, somewhere between 70 and 90% of people who are hospitalized with the COVID virus. So people who get really sick with it, not just miserable, but really sick. We know that they have other health conditions. Almost all of them do. They're diabetic or they smoke or they have heart disease or lung disease. And almost all of those can be enormously prevented with a little bit of intention every day of the proper diet and exercise. So my question to you is how, how has this pandemic changed your lifestyle in real ways so that you can become as healthy as possible, which by the way, will increase your potential and everything in your life. So how, how is it going to affect you? Um, I feel like it's affected me uh, work-wise, you know, the, the, the kind of job, I was doing, you know, is kind of finished because obviously workplaces have closed. Um, I think, like health-wise, it's it kind of makes you think more, be more mindful of, you know, the food you eat and the kind of levels of exercise that you do to, you know, carry out in your day. Because you, you know, you're with yourself a lot more now. You kind of the focus is on you. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, I'm quite fortunate where I live. Um, in the in this part of the UK, it's near the, it's the south coast. So, I've got I've got beaches close by. Um, there are places where I can go for a run, you know, around where I live. And I'm very you know I'm very lucky to be in that position where I can go for a run if I wish to, and I can you know work out at home, which I've I've been doing, you know, every morning. Nice, nice, nice. But I, I find you know it's when you're at home. I find that, you know, you're in your comfort zone and it's a challenge to get out of your comfort zone at home to be able to work out at home, if you know what I mean. Oh, sure. It, it takes a little bit of intention. I mean, it, the first step is always the hardest. So I, I know there's times when I come home from a day of work and I'm just tired and I sit down on the couch and I know that if I just get up off the couch and make that move to my basement, I have a a small gym in my basement, just basically it's a bedroom that I 
have empty floor space on so I can work out in. And if I just yeah. take that step, just get off the couch and take that one step, the rest is easy. I've already committed. I've determined. I, I've I've made the decision to to make a healthful choice. And I think a lot of us we kind of lackadaisically go through our lives, whether that's with health or education or relationships. And we don't just spend 10 seconds, 30 seconds saying, this is what I'm gonna do. So on Sundays, I get a bunch of veggies out every Sunday. I didn't this last Sunday, I, I but almost it for the last year, <laughs> I missed one Sunday um, because I've got time to do it during the day now. But I, I get out a bunch of veggies, I chop them up, I put them into little jars and then I've got my lunch for the entire week. It takes me about five minutes to prepare five lunches. Mm. And it costs about a dollar, dollar fifty a lunch. And mm. it's just brilliant. So five minutes of intention has given me five very good meals. Um, another example is uh, going to a party. If you go to a party, let's say the COVID isn't happening and you're going to an Easter brunch. And there are a bunch of people you like there, but there's a couple you don't. If you focus in the car on, oh man, I've got to deal with this person and that person, the chances of you having a good time at the Easter brunch is, is not going to be very good. But if you go there and yeah. say, oh man, I'm so excited to talk to this person and figure out what's going on with this other person and have some good food and, and all of that sort of thing, then chances are you've set your intention. You've made a decision to find the good, to find the joy. Chances are you're going to. But so many of us, we, we just don't spend that 10 seconds, that 30 seconds, that five minutes a week to plan our meals. And then we're, we get blown by the wind and you just, mm. when you get blown by the wind, it's very unlikely you're going to wind up any spot you would actually choose to be in. Mm. Yeah. It's having that perspective, isn't it? It's just flipping that switch of how you look at things in certain scenarios, isn't it? It is. And it, it's so easy to be seduced by the fear and the anger and all of that stuff of the news. Now, you know, I think we all need to pay attention to the news and be informed of what's going on, not just for the COVID crisis, but informed in our world mm. just enough so that we know what's going on and we know how to make a positive difference. Once you know enough mm. to know what's going on, and it's kind of hard with all the misinformation that's out there these days, but know enough to know what's going on know what you can do personally to make a positive difference on this planet. And that's mm. where you stop. You, you don't just keep watching and watching and watching because what you focus on will grow. And if all you're watching is the economy falling apart or, you know, the, the number of people who are in the hospital with COVID, you're going to eventually think that everybody's except for you is in the hospital with COVID and, and your turn is coming. So we need to socially isolate. We need to be responsible, but we do not need to wreck our psyches over any of these issues. Because once you wreck your psyche over the issue, you're not going to have the emotional strength or intelligence or fortitude to actually do something positive about it. And if we all just drag ourselves into the ground, be seduced by the news, um, then I, what hope do we have? Mm. And I think that's quite contagious as well. And I think it's quite easy for people to fall down that path. Like fear, fear is quite, you know, you, if we let our energy kind of get sucked in by fear, it, you know, not only weakens our immune system, you know, makes us anxious. Um, and, that, and that can be passed on to other people. 
Absolutely. You know, if you're worrying about something, someone else can start worrying about their health and how they're feeling. And um, it's a bit of a vicious circle. I mean, the first kind of week this kind of all kicked off, I mean, I'm in, in the United Kingdom um, and I was watching the news and um, I had to drop my girlfriend off home, I drove her back. And um, I remember sitting in my car, I remember feeling just really anxious and kind of overwhelmed. Mm. And I think it felt very strange because it was a Saturday night and I drove back and there were no cars on the road. I was like the only car on the dual carriageway. I was the only guy at the petrol station. So I felt scared because it was almost like something out of a film. Right. And, and I had a bit of a cough and I had a bit of a sneeze at the time. And I started worrying about, have I got it? Am I going to die? And, and it just, I just spiraled myself into this kind of pit. And um, I just had to take a few deep breaths and talk to my mom about it. And um, I felt better afterwards. But um, like you said, you've, it doesn't help the situation, does it? If we're going to that place. It, 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 yeah, there's, there's some imaginary line that's crossed there, that all of a sudden it becomes unhelpful, unfruitful. Um, and then, so, you know, all of us have an emotional home. All of us have a, a place that we're comfortable with. Some people are happy. Some people are always angry. Some people are sad or pessimistic or whatever. But all of us have this kind of baseline emotional home that we look for things in our environment to take us there. So right now in America, I'm not sure what it was like in the UK, but in America, 9-11 was one of those moments. So how you reacted to 9-11 tells you where your home is. If you went out and tried to help, if you were sad, if you were, you know, those sorts of things. Um, the hmm. same with the COVID, right? So this is a crisis. There's, there's a nugget of truth in it and we have to pay attention to that truth. And we have to have our own personal responsibility for what we need to do to, to flatten the curve and all that stuff and to be as individually healthy as possible so that we don't need hospitalization. Um, hmm. So, hmm. so we need enough of that, but, whatever people are feeling right now, whatever they're taking it to the extreme with that tells everybody where their emotional home is. So are you angry? Mm. Are you mad? Are you sad? Are you happy? Are you wanting to help? Are you wanting to get involved? Like that is where you live. And once we know what we will turn any situation in good, bad, or indifferent, we will try to get it to our emotional home. That's why there's some people out there that, you know, they win the lottery and they're mad because it was only 10 million, not 20 million, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it, it, these, these moments can instruct us and, and show us where our strengths and vulnerabilities are. Because once you know what your strengths and what you, your, your vulnerabilities are, then you actually are, are, have freedom to react to every situation, how you choose to react, not just how your emotional home tells you you have to react. It was one of the best things about mm. Iraq for me. I mean, there was a lot of horrible stuff in Iraq. Um, but the opportunity in Iraq was I got to know who I was. I knew the limits of my abilities. I knew the good and the bad of my emotional home. And now that I'm aware of all of that, my abilities, my weaknesses, uh, where my home is, now I actually get to live life on my terms. You know, I have, I have PTSD, Adam, and I, I, every podcast I'm on and, and everywhere it's appropriate, I tell people I do. I mean, I saw some really horrible things in Iraq. And it opened my mind to realities that I hope that nobody else ever experiences or understands in life. 
But every morning I get up and I look that PTSD in the face and I say, and I tell myself how I will react and how the day will go. I frame my day. Mm. And now instead of PTSD putting me on a street corner, begging for food uh, with a needle hanging out of my arm, instead of that, mm. it's actually turned into a positive, into a strength, into a, how I can relate to other people who've had tragic things happen in their lives and how I can foresee how a tragedy is going to play out so I can help people never get the emotional injury or the, the moral hazard um, that you, or the moral injury that you can have. They never get it because I can, I can walk them through it and say, this is what you're going to experience. These are normal emotions. And this is, this is the reality of the situation. So all of us have these emotional homes. All of us have these spots that we go to and they can either be a strength kind of like my PTSD is, or they can be a weakness mm -hmm. like a lot of veterans on the street corner have in America because they have not chosen to make it a reality that supports their potential. Instead, they made it a reality that drags them into the ground. Mm. And they kind of get labeled and then that kind of drives them further down, doesn't it? Because then, you know, society labels them and then they feel like they haven't got much hope or choice. And then it's just like a, you know, a bit of a spiral, isn't it? It is. But, yeah. but like with what you said and, uh, with PTSD, I, I had it myself actually, um, a number of years ago when I was a teenager, I, I had a, an accident where I fell through a skylight on a roof and, um, I suffered with PTSD and anxiety, you know, and, and things for a couple of years. And, I think it was like, it's like post-trauma, isn't it? So you kind of experience the trauma afterwards. And I, I thought I was going to die. That's the kind of thought that I had that went through my head when I fell through that roof. Wow. Um, and it's sort of playing out in my life. But like what you said, you know, you work through it and it's how you kind of use that. And you either see it as like a weakness or a strength. And I think with what you're saying with like PTSD, it kind of gives you this awareness you're able to understand your emotions and connect with other people who are probably going through similar things. So it, like what you said, you know, we kind of have a choice of how we choose to use our experiences. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So if I don't, if you don't mind me asking a personal question, no, of course. Uh, so uh, obviously a horrible experience that could have killed you. It, it could have done any number of horrible, horrible things to you. Um, how, how did you get past the PTSD so that you can, you can live up to your potential, live your dream, control your destiny? How did you go through that process? I mean, when it happened, I was very young. I was still at school, um, in secondary school in the UK. And I had to have like, you know, a bit of time off. I had to have like, uh, therapy and my mom, my mom's, um, a qualified, a qualified therapist. She got a master's in um, humanistic counseling and psychotherapy, hypnotherapy. So my mum helped me with hypnotherapy. Wow. Which helped me, helped, yeah, helped me to relax. So she was training at the time. So she kind of kept me grounded. And then I had to, you know, I think it was CAMS, like a, like a, a governing body came in. So I had to have sessions with them. So, um, yeah, I think just talking about it really helped me, to be honest. And um, understanding it and um, kind of not fighting it. Because I think I, I, I used to always think, you know, why has this happened to me? Why me? Right. 
I would get frustrated and angry, which then probably made it worse. <laughs> so I, I, felt, I felt like a victim, I think, for a while. Um, you know, I didn't like what was happening, but it kind of dissipated over time. It's um, quite strange, really. Whereas I don't, I don't really get, I don't suffer from you know anxiety or like depression anymore. Um, you know, I, like I said, I can I can I can work myself into an anxious state like I did the sure. other week because of this COVID situation. But I think you know just talking about it really helps. So let me ask you: You were young when this happened. Mm. What what perspective that yeah. y- do you have that other people who haven't had a uh, a brush with their own mortality, um, especially at such an early age. What what perspective that do you have that others who haven't experienced this yet? Um, yeah, what is that? Have on life. I I'd say it's made me very empathic. Mm. You know, I'm quite tuned into people anyway, but um, it's quite you know, it's, um, it made, made me quite empathic. It's made me very grateful mm. for my life, for the things I have, and for being alive. And I think, like, it kind of made me more, you know, more understanding of people. Because I think when it happened, I was going through a phase where I was quite, um, what's the word, rebellious. Uh, you know, I was in the wrong crowd of people. Um, I, you know, I was, I was more fueled by my ego. And when that happened, that kind of all, you know, was shattered. So I think, you know, it's made me more empathic, more grateful, more aware in some way. You know, it's, I, I can kind of tune into people and connect with people. And I've kind of been able to connect to myself mm. uh, on a deeper level, I think. Yeah, and tun- tuning, when, tuning into you know, people when, is kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah. Because I think when it was happening, you know, with anxiety, my, your, your awareness is on like a different level, on a different frequency. It's a bit like a radio antenna. And I was tuning it, you know, picking up on emotions, my own emotions, people's. And I, it was just a bit of, a, of an overwhelm, to be honest. Um, and I kind of saw that as a hindrance. I didn't, I didn't like it. So... Like, you know, it's kind of using it to your advantage in some way. It's kind of seeing it as a gift. But it's kind of made me more grateful, you know, as a person, I think. It's kind of like all... Yeah, and it's kind of like all the superhero movies, right? So they, almost all of them have some point where the superhero is in crisis mode over their abilities. And they're they're questioning, why do I have this? Why, Why me, right? Even though everybody in the audience is saying, are you kidding? This is amazing. And... (laughs) <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing when you're able to tune in and, and be empathic and you know, really help a lot of people. But it, it's also if you don't have a good sense of who you are, then you can get lost in the other person and then it can be just this huge burden. Um, but, I, you know, it's like everything. It's it's two sides of a coin. What's what side are you going to focus on? Um, you know, crisis, they've said, which apparently isn't entirely accurate, but they said that the Chinese character for crisis, one side is danger and one side's opportunity. And I guess that's not technically correct uh, when you go back and look at the the language, but it's a, it's a good illustration of 
yes, there's danger with COVID. Mm. Yes, there's danger with heights. Yes, there's danger with all these things, but there's also this just an amazing opportunity um, that can be had. Mm. And, and I think for everybody listening to this, um, listen, if you're fearful, have enough fear to that it inspires you to become healthy. Most of us, you know, we're, we're in social isolation in the States and I believe in, in UK you are as well. I, and um, mm. so I think every place, but Belarus actually, which Belarus I think is uh, drinking vodka and, and going to the sa- saunas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope that works out for them. But uh, most of the planet has this amazing opportunity right now to take an honest look at themselves and ask them, okay, do I really need these cigarettes? Do I really need the donuts? How about I just start eating some fruits and veggies and working out a little bit? And we no longer have the excuse of, um, hey, I, I'm in two hours in traffic every day, or I'm stressed from work, or I'm whatever. People have no excuses now. So if people are not willing to take uh-huh. care of themselves now, when they have no excuses, even if you don't have a gym membership and you can't go to the gym, you can still go for a run, a jog, you can do burpees, you can you can certainly eat your fruits and veggies. If you aren't taking advantage of that now, if you're just looking at the doom and gloom and going about the sedentary lifestyles and the too much alcohol and smoking and all that stuff, then you have to ask yourself, what underlying mental health condition do you have? Because that's what it boils down to. It's, it is you allowing a mental health condition to allow yourself to be unhealthy. And I I know it's kind of brutal for people, but that's your only option. You don't have any more excuses. If you want to be part of the solution, if you want to do your part, Take this time to get rid of the bad habits and watch your life just become everything you've wanted it to be. And it only takes two or three weeks to change a habit. So, so change it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting we talk about alcohol because I know a lot of people have turned to alcohol on this board. In fact, I was at a, a Costco and I don't, I don't think you have them over there. We, we have them in selected parts of the country. There isn't, there isn't any... Okay. Where I am. Well, you know, it's a but, huge, uh, huge warehouse huge. of of bulk supply of food and clothes and that sort of stuff. And the lady behind me had her entire shopping cart filled with wine and a bag of Doritos. I mean, and this was a couple of weeks ago, but that was her preparation for food supplies. You know, there there were no rice or beans or any sort of substantive food. I would not call Doritos food. Um, and mm. and I was just thinking, you know alcoholics and people who consume too much alcohol, they often are deficient in zinc. And zinc's one of the main things that we need for our immune system to be healthy. And we know that, uh, or it seems, we think we know that taking a little bit of zinc supplementation every day can help fight the COVID virus. Now, don't do too much zinc because it will deplete your copper stores and you need copper as well. So don't overdose on it. And I I know there's debate on this, but I personally take a zinc with copper. But here you are, you're going home, you're not getting good nutrition because you're just consuming your calories with alcohol. You're depleting the zinc. It's contributing to leaky gut, which, you know, uh, doesn't matter even if you're consuming healthful foods, your, your gut can't really take the nutrients out to support you. And it's like, why, why don't we just spend the two weeks and focus on, on actually making ourselves healthy? What do we have to lose? And yet so many people are listening to this right now and and they just they'll refuse to do it they'd rather sit and watch the news and be full of fear mm. Mm. 
No, that's exactly it. And I think, like, with what you said, with people buying alcohol and uh, shitty food, so to speak, like, I, I know some supermarket down here, like, people buying, you know, big bulk boxes of, like, cans of lager, with, you know, like, <laughs> beer. Um, and crisps and... Yeah, just, you think to yourself, like, you know, there are so many good, um, cheap alternatives for, like, good food, fruit, vegetables. They're not too expensive no. when you, when no, you think about it. It's the processed um, foods that are expensive. You know, people say eating healthy is expensive. No, no, it's not. Buy a big bag of carrots, bunch of spinach, and, you know, you can literally have 10 meals. You can spend, in the U.S., I don't know what it would be over there, but you can... You can spend $20 and get 10 or 15 meals of really good food. Don't buy the salad dressing as pre-made. Get a mm. big bottle of, of extra virgin olive oil and some balsamic that'll last you six months to a year and, and make your salad dressing and don't have all the preservatives and the junk in it. So they did a study last year uh, and you know all studies have flaws, but you know this one is fairly instructive. And it said if people consume more than four ultra processed foods a day, that they're chances wow. of dying from all causes go up 62%. And for every uh, wow. in one serving more, the chance goes up by 18%. So five servings is now 80% chance of dying, increased chance of dying from all causes. Now, ultra processed foods are basically all of your cereals, all of your hot dogs, all of your crackers, all of your soda pops, all of your sports nutrition drinks, all of that stuff. And if if you look at, especially in America, I, I think you all are a little better over there, but not much. The vast majority of what people consume are ultra processed foods. And these companies that make the ultra processed foods, they have whole teams of scientists and their sole job is not to provide the best nutrition. Their sole job is to make these foods as psychologically and biologically addictive as possible. They even put additives in there so that it helps shut down the the mechanism by which our body tells us we're full. So it helps shut those down, chemically shut those down. So you eat the whole box of chips or crisps, as you call them, you eat the whole box of something else instead yeah. of stopping. So, you know, most you eat French fries, most servings of French fries that you get at a restaurant are at least two servings. Cause that's one serving is about 10 to 15 fries. And so you're, you're doing at least two, sometimes three servings right then and there. And, and that's the expensive stuff. I mean, the cheap stuff is the stuff that came out of the ground that didn't need to be processed. You just throw it in a container and ship it off to the local market. Hmm. That's quite crazy when you think about it, isn't it? How these companies are allowed to do that and get away with it. Oh, yeah. And people keep on buying these products. I mean, it's an addiction, isn't it? I mean, everyone likes their own thing. Like my thing, the bad thing that I like is chocolate. And, um, you know, I bought some chocolate yesterday, but I, you know, I try and limit it. I, you know, I'll have sure. a bar and I'm like, okay, hey, that's me done. It's about balance, isn't it? As well, I think, but like, um, talking about that chemical that they put in food that makes it like more addictive. I find that Pringles, I, I bought some Pringles <laughs> once and I think I ate like uh -huh. the whole tube within, within the day. And I was like, these are so nice. Yep. I just want to have more. And it was like somewhat like my subconscious was just telling me to carry on Correct. eating the tube. Yeah. So part of that is the crunch factor. So the more crunchy a substance is, and they know exactly how crunchy it should be and shouldn't be, that 
uh, triggers parts of your brain to release dopamine. Part of it is the high fructose corn syrup and the salts and wow. the bad fats, right? So mm. they, they have the formulas, they put them together. So I asked this question, you know, in the book I wrote, one of the chapters starts with, um, you know, what is the most consumed drug on the planet? And I give some options, you know, like mind altering substances to include alcohol and legal and illegal pharmaceuticals, um, you know, antidepressants, uh, anti uh, pain. So your aspirins, your Motrins, your, you know, ibuprofens, that sort of thing. Um, so, and, and at the end of it, the answer E is the correct one of other and it's, it's food. So the definition of a drug, and I just pulled it up on the internet so I can actually read it. It's a medicine or other substance, which has a physiological effect when ingested or otherwise introduced into the body. Well, we know that we feel vastly different when we have a donut versus if we have a salad and food is absolutely the most common consumed drug on the planet. And we don't think of it that way. But if I want to think of food as, hey, I want to feel happy and full of energy today, I'm pretty sure I do not pick up the uh, bag of, of crisps. I'm pretty sure I pick up a, a nice spinach salad. Like we all know this. And it's what we spoke about earlier. It's just a little bit of intention. Do you care enough about yourself? And do you care enough about the loved ones around you? And do you care enough for this planet that you're on? to be the best you that you can be. And if so, why don't we start consuming the drugs that will support us with that? And the drugs that will support us with that are our fresh fruits and veggies, right? It's not Prozac. It's not, you know, any illegal substance. It's not alcohol. It's a depressant. It's not crisp. It's not, uh, you know, and, and we just, we need to think of everything that we're consuming as a drug. Now, like you said, have a little chocolate every once in a while, have a little treat. We need to find joy. We need to have that moment of release. But if it's five candy bars a day, that's a problem. And, and, you know, none of these lessons are new moderation in all things. So, yeah. Hmm. Do you, I, I completely agree with what you've just been saying about, like, you know, diet and nutrition and eating the right things. Like, you know, multivitamins as well. Like, um, I, I went to this local supermarket and I bought a pack of like 60 tablet multivitamins, which got iron in as well. And that was like 80 pence. It's like, well, not even, not even like equivalent to a dollar. And you know, that's, would you say, would you say like vitamins help? Like multivitamins? You know, I think there's a ton of debate on them. I take some multivitamins. I've even created my own supplement to help people have healthy skin. And you know, I, I take them. I think a lot of the ingredients in multivitamins are, um, well, they probably just make your urine more expensive and colorful. But I do think that there are, I, I th number, first of all, I think the best way to consume your vitamins and minerals are through fresh fruits and veggies. Whole foods, I think how, how they were made is, is in the right concentration to, to nourish our bodies. But I do think that with farming practices and with how we've kind of been raping and pillaging our planet, that our fruits and veggies are not as nutrient dense as they were 100 years ago. And I think 100 years from now, they're going to be even uh, less nutrient dense. So I do think uh, multi, multivitamins are a, a decent thing, even though they haven't, a lot of them haven't really been scientifically proven to do much. 
but I take some. And like I said, I created my own supplement to help people have healthy skin. And I'm a dermatologist now. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of a hard question to answer because I think a lot of what's in them, maybe not. And I think we're getting more and more data uh, on it. And I, I think that this whole concept of what nutrients and what foods we need to eat based off of our individual genetic code and what actual pharmaceuticals we should be consuming and in what concentration based off of our genetic code. I think that whole topic is going to explode over you know the next five to 10 years. And I think five to 10 years from now, we'll be able to do a blood test, look up our genetic code and say, okay, these are the vitamins and minerals I really need. These are the foods that really support my, my whole body. And, you know, cause there's all this debate about paleo or keto or vegetarian or, oh my gosh, it's exhausting to just try to wrap your mind around it. Are grains good? Or are they bad? Are legumes good? Or are they bad? Um, and I think the answer is that we don't really know. And I think it's more of an individual, um, recommendation. Mm, we don't really know how perfect. to do that yet, but I think there's some constants. I, pretty sure nobody's genetic code wants them to have donuts. I think nobody's genetic code wants them to have French fries or fried chicken or fried ice cream. Or, you know, I, I think that we can have some common sense while we're still waiting for the technology to give us more detailed individual information. Mm. No, exactly. And I think like, you know, instead of going for the easy option where you can just buy something and throw it in the oven, you know, go out your own way, just spend, like you said, like you said, you, you prepare your meals, um, takes five minutes and you, you prepared yep. your whole week. You know, we need to like do that more. Um, instead of, you know, sabotaging ourselves and be more, a bit more, a bit more mindful of our actions, sure. I think, and what we eat and how much water we drink. Yep. I mean, I drink a ton of water and water is meant to be, you know, really oh, yeah. good for your skin. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Listen, right? skin's the biggest organ in your body. And so if you're constantly dehydrated, it's going to show everywhere from your thought process to your skin from the inside out. So, you know, it's a mind, body, spirit connection. And so, yeah, I I have a friend who was morbidly, morbidly obese. He was at least 250 pounds overweight. And all he did was put down the cheese, stop eating cheese and stop drinking soda pop. And he lost over a hundred pounds in a year just by this stop drinking the soda, the colas and the cheese. And it's interesting when you think about it from a, an addictive perspective, all of that sugar, right? It it creates a a high, you know, your neurotransmitters in your brain creates a little high. Well, cheese does as well. There's a protein in, in milk products called casein and casein when you ingest it and it goes into your belly and the acids interact with it, it turns into casomorphin or the last yeah. So yeah. morphine, casomorphin. So it gives you, um, a very small hit of basically taking some heroin, at least it interacts with the brain in much the same way. Now, obviously it's super, super small, but why in the world do we crave cheese when it smells horrible and rotten and it kind of is a rotten food? It's, it's because hmm. we're, we're getting small hits of, of morphine and, if we actually look at what, what we consume and ask, huh, I, I really wonder if this is what my body needs. I don't, I don't really think you need a PhD behind your name um, or to be studying nutrition your mm-hmm. entire life. I think we have the common sense. And if we don't, our grandparents sure do. Ask them and they'll tell you. 
Mm. Yeah, times have definitely changed um, probably from what our grandparents used to have to eat and what was around many years ago. There probably wasn't a lot of foods that you know now being made and you can purchase in the store. But I, I did see that. I did see that um, on the news on, on the internet somewhere about cheese that it's like the same effect of what of yeah. like heroin, it's like the same release, and it's crazy. But when you put it into terms, like I love um, in in the UK, we have cheese on okay. toast. So it's like you know melted cheese on toast, and um, it's so oh, it just tastes so nice, and it's it's like you said, it's that you're getting those hits, aren't you? Those small hits of that. Um, the same effect take probably taking heroin. Yeah, I mean it's, it's minuscule well, compared to taking heroin. I mean it's you know one tenth of one percent or something crazy like that. But it's it's still the point. The point yeah. is that we we do not eat. And I think all of us know this intuitively. We do not eat what we eat because it's the healthiest option. We eat what we eat because it makes yeah. us feel a certain way. Well, you know that's that's great. Um, but if we just change how we eat for two weeks, see our bacteria in our gut, right? Our bacteria has more to do with what we crave food wise than what our bodies want. Otherwise we'd be eating broccoli and cauliflower and carrots all day long. So our, our bacteria, it feeds off of certain foods and then it tells our brain what we crave. And then we eat that to feed the bacteria in our guts. And we've established this. I mean, they're calling the gut the second brain now. And it actually has more um, neurotransmitters, more uh, um, of the serotonins and dopamines and stuff than our brain does. And so it only takes about two weeks to really shift the natural gut bacteria in our stomachs to something that's healthy. If you just spend Mm -hmm. two weeks consuming nothing but fruits and veggies and good for you stuff, your entire gut flora will be different at the end of those two weeks. And you, you'll notice that you don't crave the crisp or the bread with the cheese on it anymore because the bacteria mm. have that crave that, that feed off of that, they're starved. And the bacteria that don't want that stuff, i.e. they want the broccoli and the cauliflowers, they're going to be abundant in your belly and you're actually going to start craving those. So I had an interesting moment this mm. weekend where I, I worked out um, really hard and I love working out hard because uh, I like my workouts to be mm. my, my drug. I like that to affect my mood, not, not something that I'm, I'm consuming mm. Um, mm. In, unless it's healthy foods. But so I worked out super hard and I probably pushed it too hard. You know, after a really hard run or a sprint or, or you're doing those miserable mm. suicides that they do in basketball gyms. I don't know if you guys do those over there, but uh, basically you run until you, you throw mm. up and, um, and my body was just, it felt down. I, I worked out too hard and I craved for the first time in years, I craved a diet Pepsi as I used to drink that poison years mm. ago. And that was a really instructive moment for me. Cause then I just stopped and I said, okay, okay. What emotional need is not being met right now? And I just sat there with the thought for a few minutes. That's how I got over my PTSD, by the way, too, is every time I relived mm. the PTSD, I forced myself to think about it and be in that moment. And so I, I, was, mm. I sat down. I said, okay, why do I crave poison right now? And I remember back at, in time years ago when I was feeling run down and tired, that would be my go-to. And I'd also dated a girl back then who loved Diet Pepsi. And I found solace when I was around her. 
as soon as I recognized that, I didn't want the Diet Pepsi anymore. I just wanted to take a shower and, and have a healthful meal and everything was fine. So it, it really is mm. our emotions. When we crave the junk food, man, we have so many windows into our soul right now that we can actually, we can spend a mm. decade of therapy on ourselves just by paying attention to what our bodies are telling us and what they're craving. And if we do that, mm. man, where will we be at the end of this social isolation? We might actually be in control of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of people out there who have PTSD mm. like you and I, um, most people do not remember the traumatic event. It's not a, a memory thing. It's we relive it in our bodies. And so that's why people with PTSD mm. all of a sudden react and they, they lash out because their body is viscerally feeling the event because the brain hasn't processed mm -hmm. it yet. So what the brain does is they say this event was so outside of normal and so traumatic that I, I can't put it in its proper box and label it and tuck it away and assimilate it into the personality into our subconscious. So it makes the body relive the experience. So your heart rate goes up, your breathing's different, you start sweating and you start being hypervigilant physically. So our body does that so that we can try to make it make sense. So how I got over my PTSD was when I started experiencing those, the conventional wisdom was to just shove it down. Don't think about it, look away, like whatever, that's all nonsense. I knew that in order to get over it, mm. I'd have to stare it in the face, eye to eye, and I'd have to relive that experience. And while I was reliving the experience back in America, safe America, I then forced my brain to logically look around and say what I had. But I had to go there first. I had to allow my body to be back in Iraq. And then mm. I had to logically see where I was right now. And it, you know, the first time I did it, it probably took me an hour and it was painful, man, it was painful, but now I can do it in about half mm. a second because I've just over the years, over the last 10 years, I've just learned to say, okay, slamming percussive door. It's not a rack. It's not a bomb. It's not a whatever. And I'm, I am immediately mm. within half a second, a second, I'm back in America safe and sound. And my body isn't reliving it anymore. And I can smile because I overcame. Mm. yeah no ex exactly and like you can't you know it's it's good that you've been able to do it in that way you know to kind of face it head on and kind of be able to rationalize your situation and where you are because you know it kind of take, it takes a lot of strength doesn't it to, you know to be able to do that to face it head yeah, on. i don't i don't know if it takes strength i think it just takes it being fed up. I, I just was not yeah. happy with the life I was living. You know, prior to Iraq, I had just this mm. vibrant, full, eclectic life. It was the life I wanted. It was the life of my choosing. After Iraq, I kept renting mm. space. You know, Tony Robbins says this. He's, why would you rent space in your mind any longer to something so traumatic and negative? And he's 100% right. Why was I allowing mm. space to be rented in my mind of something horrible? Why don't you fill it with something that is of your choosing so that you're not a victim? And as soon as I just got mad, mad that I was being a victim to these things. And, you know, especially seven, eight years after that, almost every cell in my body is different than it was in Iraq. So if I want to keep carrying around these emotional injuries, that's now of my choosing. My, all the cells are different. My whole body has been changed over enough. This is now mm. of my choosing. And if it's going to be of my choosing, 
my life's going to be on my terms, not something that happened a decade ago. That's, that's ridiculous. Hmm. And it's crazy that people live their lives that way oh, yeah. continuously, like a victim of the circumstances and pointing the finger and blaming their situation on something else. And you've got to take responsibility for your life, haven't you? You've got to, you know, what I was talking about earlier, you have to be responsible for your situation, the food you eat, your, you know, your health. You know, you're responsible, you're in full control of it. Um, it's just flipping mm -hmm. that switch. And it's a lot with how we talk to ourselves too. So a lot of times we speak to ourselves in ways that we would never speak to anybody else on the planet of, you know, you drop something and, and you call mm. yourself a, a clumsy fill in the blank. You <laughs> do something innocent and, and you say, oh, you idiot. You, I mean, man, how we talk mm. to ourselves, that needs to change. That's the first thing. Mm. If you're constantly calling yourself lazy, clumsy, an idiot, uh, fill in the blank. Well, how do you think your life is going to go? Now, if, if we do something wrong and bad, we could have done better. I do think it's important to take an honest look at that and have that be what it is. But I also think it's equally important that we mm. do something well, do something magnanimous, do something right, that we also congratulate ourselves. As if all we're doing is negative self-talk, what you focus on will grow. And if you're just constantly negative mm. talking to yourself over silly things like dropping the toothbrush, wow. How, how is your life going to be any different than negative and condescending? And how are you going to talk to other people? Because that's how you talk to yourself all day long. You might not call them an idiot, but you're thinking it and they can sure feel it. An empath like you, mm -hmm. hey, you can sure feel it when somebody thinks they're an idiot, regardless of the words that are coming out of their mouth. So, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it, it's crazy that... We, we have everything within us, but we we don't know how to, some people, you know, don't know how to use it, almost. We're, it's not something that's taught to us, is it, in education and school? We have to figure it out ourselves. But it, it's something so simple, yet so hard for some people it is, to grasp. It's, it's the hardest thing but, to realize that you're in control of your destiny. A lot of us want to point to something that happened 10, 20, 40 years ago and say, this is why we are how we are. Well, that's nonsense. All that is, is giving you a scapegoat mm -hmm. to not living up to your potential. I, you know, it seems like so many of us, and I, I played into this for a while in my life too, but so many of us are caught in the game of, um, I'm not in control of my destiny. And because this happened to me, therefore it gives me the excuse not to do that. And, uh, I think we're all scared of what we could achieve in life. So we find excuses to never yeah. get there. That's the worst thing ever. It's the worst thing mm. ever. I yeah, I think that as well. And I think like I've I've been gu guilty of this. Like with this podcast, like I, I think I started it a couple of months ago. I wanted to do it sometime last year, and I kind of convinced myself, taught myself out of it because I was worried about what other people think. So, I mean, even before we try things, that voice in your head, um, if you're not in control of it, it can kind of talk you out. You can talk yourself out of doing something before <laughs> yep. you've even done it. And tell me, what 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 amazing things have you learned by doing this podcast? Or how has it changed your life? Because I imagine it's changed almost everything. Oh, yeah, I mean, I... I love connecting with people. I'm, I'm an extrovert and I'm energized by, you know, talking to people, being around people. 
But I, I think like it makes me, you know, I'm very it makes me humble, makes me very humble, very grateful, um, and it makes me see things from a thing a different perspective because, you know, like you know the things that you've experienced and been through, and you know the experience that you have, you know it, it kind of makes you, yeah, very. What's the word? It makes me very appreciative of people, you know, of, of how amazing we are as, as human beings and that we're all different and that we all come from a different place and that we, you know, we can really, you know, make our lives whatever we, we wish for it to be, you know, regardless of what we've been through. And that's like the kind of the amazing thing about being human, isn't it? We, we adapt. And that's what I've learned. That's what I've taken from it. You know, meeting different people, hearing their stories, the things that they faced. And, you know, some of the, I've, I've never been in a war zone. Like, you know, you've been in Iraq. You know, that's, you know, a big leap, jump, and an amazing thing to do. Um, so it kind of makes me one makes me want to be better as a person because there might be certain fears that I've got or you know like you see someone who's been through something much worse than yourself and they've come through it oh it's huge it's huge it's just all it, it's the story we tell ourselves every day it's how we talk to ourselves are we worth living our potential are we worth striving and becoming do we want to be different than we were 10 years ago? It's, it's all our choice. Uh, yeah. Mm. But it's like, uh, I, I used to like Tony Robbins. I, I've, I've read a few of his books and I like his, um, his documentary on Netflix. And he, I think one of his quotes was like, um, we go by like a blueprint, you know, we have a, an excuse as to why things are the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's if you understand your why, you know, t Tony Simon Sinek, if you understand why you're doing what you're doing, then it gives you the ability to change if you want to. Um, but, but, and again, mm. now is such a great time. So if we start feeling ourselves fear mongering or, or whatever, that is not a helpful constructive emotion during this time that it, that inspires us to be part of the solution. If, if anything that, in our lives that doesn't inspire us to be part of the solution. That's our key to ask, what is that feeding in us? What is the need that that is meeting? What, why do, why am I going for the mm. crisps right now? What am I anxious about or nervous about or unfulfilled with? Like just understand why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. If you understand it and you still want to go for the crisps, go for it. But at least you're aware. At least you're not mm. blissfully diving into that that deep, never-ending pool of disease and death. Mm. That's it. And it's like, it has more of a better impact on your health and your mental health, you know, your physical, emotional health and your mental health. And it's like, if you are eating something that's bad for you, you I think you kind of feel bad because you've then eaten right. that thing that you know isn't good for you and it kind of knocks you yep. back a little bit. 
So if you can kind of, you know, eat a bit healthy, you know, even if you start with, you know, an apple or a banana, you, it kind of builds that momentum, does. doesn't it? I suppose. And you then want to eat something else that's healthy, like a salad and then a salad to something else. I mean, I've, my my family, like my mom and my brothers, they're um, vegetarians and like vegan. Whereas, you know, I eat meat, but I've noticed, you know, I felt very different in a positive way since living with my family, you know, not eating as much meat, having, you know, lentils, uh, vegetables, uh, stew. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with eating meat. Um, I, I think that a lot of us need meat to survive on. Um, I, I prefer to eat the meat that is humanely raised and humanely killed. Um, and it, by the way, it's much healthier and tastier. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong mm. with it. And I, I think that eating a banana, I think that that can go two ways. If you eat the banana and celebrate that you made a good health choice, then that will encourage you to make more. If you eat the banana and think, oh, this sucks. I'd rather have uh, a donut then it probably is encouraging the donut more because you've assigned pain to that banana instead of assigning pleasure. So, yeah, I, I really think it yeah. is our mindset, how, how we approach anything to see it kind of like going to the party. Are you mm. going to go to the party and say, this is going to suck? And then it's going to suck. I promise you. Or are you going to go to the party and say, this is going to be amazing. Mm. And then chances of it being amazing are, are much, much greater. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's that law of attraction, isn't it? It's like, you know, what you do attract right. to that. Kind well, of it's the same thing. Like you buy a new auto, right? Buy a new car. All of a sudden you see that car everywhere. Yeah. And before you bought the car, you never noticed it. Or you, <laughs> yeah. you get a new watch or whatever it is, new haircut. And then all of a sudden everybody has that haircut. So, it, I, you know, the law of attraction, um, I think people take it a little bit too far. But what you focus on will grow. And that's, that's just evident uh, in mm. everything. So if you focus on the good, on your potential, on overcoming and striving and helping, and that's where your life will take you. Uh, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Mm. You know, um, Mandela, Nelson Mandela, when he got out of prison, I, I, the guy's one of my mm. heroes. And he got out of prison and someone asked, aren't you wrong mm. for losing all these decades of your life for, you know, really no reason. He said, why would I be mad about that? It was, it, it gave me all this time to prepare to change the world. Wow. I'm, I've never mm. been to an African prison, but I'm sure it's not club med. And he was able to sit there and say, Hey, um, I could look at all the bad. I could be bitter or I could look at the good and I could do something about it. And you know, sometimes we can't change mm. our external circumstances and that's, that's very true, but we can sure have domain mm. over what our psyche does with it. And does it, does it put us into the ground six feet under, or does it elevate us and help us to achieve everything we've ever wanted? Mm. No, he's, no, it's definitely true. And he's such an inspirational person, wasn't he? Like, I like that quote on your LinkedIn uh, headline where it says, yep. be the change you wish to see in the world. And um, I've got a journal, which is a Nelson Mandela quote on it. And it says, uh, it always sees, seems impossible mm-hmm. until it's done. 
think it's Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. But that's what I think it's important, important, isn't it, to have like role models and mentors. Um, it gives you that motivation. Like, who who would you say your mentors? Oh gosh, a lot. I mean, Gandhi, the quote you just said, Mandela, (laughs) Martin Luther King Jr., Eleanor Roosevelt, um, Oprah. I mean, there there's so many people who have just overcome and and made just an enormous difference on this planet. And um, yeah, having role models. Now, I think comparing myself to any of those people I just mentioned, I think a comparison would just wind me up into the ground, right? Because why haven't I done what they have? But I think (laughs) focusing on what they've done and appreciating it and the human spirit that is behind that, that indomitable human spirit, focusing on that, I think that will elevate you higher than, than perhaps anything else. Uh, don't compare and beat yourself up. You know, comparing myself musically to Mozart probably is not going to win any, any, anything good for me. Um, but celebrating his ability and knowing that somewhere in me, there is some musical ability and the ability to make people um, appreciate the finer arts for generations. I, I think, I think that's amazing. So um, comparison, maybe sure. not, but, but focus, what you focus on grows. You focus on amazing people. Uh, you focus mm-hmm. on the horrible people on throughout history as well. You're liable to look at everybody else mm-hmm. uh, as being a horrible person. I'm not sure what that gains you. So we, we have to be really careful what space mm-hmm. we rent in our minds to what. We have to be aware. We have to be knowledgeable. But, but we have to be really careful. You mm-hmm. know, my father always told me who you surround yourself by is who you will become. That's very true. So be careful what you're renting, mm. what space you're renting in your mind. Mm. No, completely. It's like your your vibe attracts your tribe, doesn't it? And you know, you you become like you said, the people you surround yourself around, you know, with. And it's like being being conscious of like your time and your energy, isn't it? And how much you give out and what you get back. Yep. It, it it it's everything. Uh, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely important to talk about, isn't it? And to think about, I think, you know, a lot of people don't think about it. You know, sometimes I think we end up thinking about it when we we get to a certain place where you kind of feel drained or negative. Then you kind of start thinking about it, but you shouldn't have to get to that place to then kind of Does have to start thinking 100%. about it, if that makes sense. Um. I was going to say, like, what this is um, to do with like, the COVID nineteen. Would you do you mind talking about that? Is that okay? Sure. Ask sure. a question in that area. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who um, talk about masks and gloves and things like that. Are they? Would you say they're effective? Like, it, well, is it all nonsense. So, I, I think that masks, uh, obviously, the N95s and those sorts of things are the most effective. Um, I think gloves can be utilized, uh, especially for healthcare workers. I think most of us need to practice social. First of all, I don't know what it's like over there, but over here, you can't really get masks or gloves anymore. They're all being inappropriately so funneled to the hospital. So, uh, I don't know if you can even get these things right now, but I think practicing social distancing of at least six feet, washing your hands, not touching your face. Uh, I think those are those are probably the best that people can do. Yeah, I, I think even the bad masks help a little bit. Um, but, 
you know, even some yeah. of the homemade masks can help a little bit more than, than having nothing at all. But if you're, it's kind of like mm. putting a bunch of sunscreen on and then laying out in the sun for eight hours a day saying you're protected. That, that, that doesn't really work, right? It's kind of like taking a motion before <laughs> you go on an all night bender saying, oh, I'm not going to get a hangover because I, I took an aspirin or something. It doesn't really work. Um, so yeah, I, I think the social distancing and the washing of the hands and all that stuff, I think that's what we need to be focusing on and not cheating. Not saying, oh, it's my my mom or my dad, so it's okay. I can give them a hug. It's just one person. Like, like, let's honor this. I think that's the best that we can do right now. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think, like, people just need to kind of take it serious in some aspect. I think there are a lot of people out there who aren't taking it serious. Like, in the news, I've seen reports of, like, people right. having barbecues. <laughs> groups of like 20 people and the police are having to like disperse like groups of people having barbecues because but uh, i think you're always going to get on you're always going to get that one two percent of people who, oh, of course there's uh, always the sociopaths right so um and that's somewhere between one and three percent yeah. of the population are sociopaths well you, you can't do anything about those just like every profession there's one percent that are that are really bad and that give a bad name to everybody else. I, I don't mm. know if we can, we should focus on, on those. I mean, there's always going to be that no matter what the topic is, there's always going to be the Belaruses who uh, throw caution to the wind and, and think the cure is, is massive amounts of vodka and, and saunas. So, um, but yeah, we, I think, I think when we do that, it's the starfish analogy, you know, that that story of a little kid walking on the beach and picking up a starfish mm. and throwing it into the ocean. And there's thousands of, on the beach and, and dad looks right. to the kid and says, Hey, well, you can't possibly make a difference. And the child wisely picks up another starfish and throws it back into the ocean and said, but dad, I did to that one. You know, I, th I think that's what we focus on here. I think we focus on what we can do, what, how we can make a difference. Um, and then, and, and by the way, mm -hmm. that is not just social distancing. That's everything we were speaking about in this podcast. Ask yourself why you're doing the unhealthy thing you're doing. What emotional need is that fulfilling? Why is your emotional home what it is? And if that's where you want to be the rest of your life, then keep doing what you're doing. And if it's not, make a decision. Put put a line mm -hmm. in the sand. Never again shall you cross mm -hmm. it. Mm. No, I, I love that. No, that's great. That's definitely, definitely true. And I agree with that. And we, like, I, I think what I've been saying to some people is, you know, this time, like, we don't always get this much downtime. And, you know, in six months' time or four months' time, we need to kind of reflect, don't we, on the positive things that we did and, um, you know, the the way that we've kind of right. improved ourselves or helped others. Because, like, I don't think we've had this much downtime and, you know, when it might happen again. So I think, you know, like, we've got opportunity now to create the things we want to create. Um, you know, buy that be a podcast or a YouTube channel or business or reading books. Um, I think because I've, I've heard a lot of people saying, Oh, I'm bored, and I'm like, Well, okay, uh, why is it that so much to learn, bored? so much to become? Um, if you're bored, wow, <laughs> yeah. I think as well, like there's, there's so many opportunities out there for us, you know, especially with the internet, that it yeah. can kind of be overwhelming to some people probably. 
um, there's too many things out there for us to do that it's too much and people don't know where to start but um, I mean for me like I don't know about you but like writing planning things I've got like a journal and I'll plan things that I need to do or oh, um, yeah. do like a gratitude list what like, what what ways would um, kind of you suggest ways that could help people like you know the physical emotional sure. like mental I think what health you just or, said it's huge so um again i before i get out of bed every morning i force myself to smile because how our body reacts our mind will follow and then i i think about how the day is going to go and how great it's going to be that's before i get out of bed every day and then before i go to sleep every night i force myself to think about and when i'm really diligent actually write down three things i'm grateful for throughout the day and it's been shown that if you just write down three things you're grateful for and mm -hmm. don't just say, I'm grateful for sunny weather, just write why I'm grateful for sunny weather because it allows me to get out and exercise and, and work and, and clear my mind and it feels so good, you know, that sort of thing. So give some descriptions. If you actually do that mm -hmm. for five minutes before you go to bed, it's been shown that that is more effective at reducing the signs and symptoms of depression than Prozac or any of the pills that you can take does. Mm. If you actually force yourself to be grateful every night within two to four weeks, your mood will improve. Your outlook on life will improve and it's free and the side effects are next to nothing. Right? So framing your day, if I, if I could leave this podcast mm. with, with just one thing for people to do, frame your day, start it in the morning before you get out of bed, think about how great the day is going to be and how grateful you are. Force yourself to smile. At the end of the day, write down five minutes, right? Now you can, you can shred it, burn it, eat it, so nobody else sees it if you're worried about that. But write down three things you're truly grateful for and not just I'm grateful for family. Why are you grateful for family? And then go to sleep and watch how just that one thing starts to help you improve your life. Hmm. Oh, that's really, really helpful, really beneficial advice no it's just great and i think you know like people listening to this you know we'll be able to hopefully take you know take something positive from this and apply you know these methods to their life because it no. it doesn't cost anything it's well the only thing it costs is you, all, you lose you know? a little bit of security so when we when we constantly go back to the trauma that was 20 years ago, when we constantly go back to the negative self-talk, when we constantly do that, we, we get some security from that because we know the outcome. The outcome is we feel horrible and we don't live our potential. And that's one of the basic human needs is to feel secure. So what you lose from this, what it does cost mm. you is it, it costs you some security, but what it gains you is the life that you've always wanted mm. at the end of your life it gains you a, a big mm -hmm. smile on your face because you've lived it well. So yeah, but everything else, it's, it's free. You know, mm. the answer does not come in a pill at a doctor's office. You know, the book I, that I wrote, the title is universal death care, a solution for healthcare in the age of entitlement. And I call it death care because that's what we focus on. We focus on disease and, and death. We don't focus on prevention. And in the age of entitlement, mm. it, it it's because it's the great lie that we can, 
we can abuse our bodies our whole life and then go to the doctor and they'll give you a pill and instantly everything's going to be better. It'll That pill will reverse seven, six, seven decades of poor choices. It's not true. So if, if you, you will lose your security net, that security net that you're a victim, that the world's against you, that whatever nonsense you've told yourself, but what you will gain is the life that you've always wanted. Mm. Mm. That's simply it. And it just goes to show how resilient and strong we are and how stronger we are than we think. You know, and like through visualization and meditation and uh, the benefits of that and yoga and really tuning into ourselves. Um, 100%. That's you know, where the changes are made, isn't it? Starts, starts with us. No, it does make, does make you think. It does make you really um, reflect and think about, you know, what, how you want your future to be, um, you know, and to plan and to, you know, get, get the ball rolling, you know, cause we're not, we're not designed. I don't think we're designed are we as human beings just to glide through life where, you know, we're designed in its innards to create things and be successful and to strive and help others. Yeah, I mean, so if, much if we're actually made in the image of God, if if there's people out there who who believe that, if we're made in the image of God, God created the world. He's wanting us to create our world. And he's given mm-hmm. us that ability if you choose to use it. And if you don't believe in, in religion, fine, believe in evolution, mm-hmm. survival of the fittest. So if you're going to evolve, which we mm-hmm. all can and we all know, evolve to something of your choosing. So it doesn't matter if you're religious or if you're a scientist or whatever you are, whatever you believe, either philosophy at the foundation of it is create, evolve, become, don't just sit there and be blown by the wind. Yeah. Cause you know, like having that regret as well, of not taking those opportunities, I think that's one of the worst things, isn't it? Like having regret and, having that emo- you know emotion in your body it's not one of the best things you want to kind of like look at the things that you have done the things you have achieved and the people you have helped and it's about giving back isn't it it's about giving back making a difference in, in way absolutely way i think that's no better way to end this podcast than what you just said that's brilliant mm. yeah really no, I, pre- I appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, I go by anything. Reagan, My parents call me Reagan, Reagan like Reagan. the ex-president. Reagan. Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I'm very appreciative of your time, um, your energy, and of, in coming on the podcast. I'm honored. Really, really I'm honored. Amazing. I'm grateful. And I think it's nighttime there. So um, have fun writing your three things of gratitude down. And uh, cheers, mate. I really appreciate the time. Take care. Yeah, thank you, Reagan. Take care. Say so. Tune in.
Hi, I'd just like to say a massive thank you for tuning into this podcast and I'm really, really grateful to be on this path and journey with you all. If you would ever like to provide feedback, you can do so by going on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review or you can send me an email at the gmail.com. All feedback is much appreciated. If you would like to donate anything at all, I have a Patreon account where you can donate a small amount and you get exclusive content from the podcast. Or I also have a PayPal if you would like to donate anything as well. Just a small gesture. And all donations all go towards the podcast and making it a better experience for you all. Now, I hope you have a great day and stay tuned for more episodes.